Well, good morning. Welcome to South Bay Community Church. Uh, as Pastor Gary mentioned, we are in this series called God Inside. We've just been learning a lot about the Holy Spirit, the, the God who lives inside of us. And throughout the series, we've covered a lot of things. We've talked about who He is, what He's come to do. We've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what that means. We've talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the illumination of the Holy Spirit and how He helps us to understand and embrace these things by faith talked about the convicting work, the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, going into detail and looking at some of these gifts um, in, in depth. Well, like Pastor Gary said, we're in our last stretch, and we're going to be looking at some of the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up the series, we're going to spend a few weeks um, going through some of the fruits. So if, if you would do me a favor, turn to Galatians chapter 5 and... John chapter 15, and these are the two passages that we'll be looking at today that talk about spiritual fruit, Galatians 5 and John 15. And as you get that ready, I want to pray and ask the Lord to lead us into this time. Would you guys join me? Lord, we want to just uh, pause for a moment and recognize that you are our shepherd. Lord, you're the one who leads us. That means you go behind, uh, before us and we follow behind. And Lord, we pray that that would be the case as we go into your word, that we um, would follow your lead. Lord, that we wouldn't necessarily just follow a guy on the stage who has stuff to say, Lord, that ultimately we would follow where your spirit is leading. Pray that you would lead us into truth. Like we've learned in this series, your Holy Spirit has come to illuminate the truth, to turn the lights on so that we don't just get it in our minds, but we can embrace it with our hearts. And so we pray that, that that would be the case this morning, God, that you would show us what you desire our lives to look like. And so, Lord, we give you our hearts and our minds. I pray that uh, you would just really fill us with, with truth and with your love. So we ask uh, all of this in the precious and the beautiful name of Jesus. We all say, amen. I got a call from a friend um, who hadn't been a Christian for very long, and he called me with a heavy heart, and he, he said, Greg, I, I just want to confess something. And he shared with me, he said, before he became a Christian, he struggled a lot with lust um, and sexual temptation, and he used to visit the, the strip club, uh, the gentleman's club quite a bit, and he said, now that I'm a Christian, I'm trying to walk pure, but he said, this past week, I struggled and I fell into sin. I found myself at the strip club, and I wanted to just ask if you would just pray with me, seek the Lord's forgiveness. I said, absolutely. And so we got to talk through that and, and come before the Lord and hold on to these promises that God will forgive us our sins when we confess them. He is gracious. But what was interesting in that conversation, he was just telling about um, just that whole situation. And he, he said, here's what's crazy. When I was at the club, uh, the, the person dancing on the stage, she was a Christian. I said, get out of here. How would you even know that? Like, well, why would you say that? He says, no, she was. How do I, how, how do I know? The guy next to me told me he recognized her from his church. And I said, what, what is wrong with this picture here? I, I know Jesus says when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. But I guarantee you this wasn't church going on right now. I don't think he was there with them, at least not in agreement. And here, 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 here's what I thought about when he told me that story. And here's the simple truth I want to share with you guys this morning. Very simple. If you're a Christian, live like one. Right? I, know, I know we're not perfect and we'll fall into sin. But, but if you're a Christian, then, then you ought to look like one. 
Right, Galatians chapter 5, this is our passage for today, verse 16. This, this is how it goes. It says, but I say walk by the Spirit. Would you circle that phrase? Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So you could pause right there. So what Paul's basically doing right now, he's drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying there's, there's two ways you can walk in this life. You can walk in the flesh according to your natural self, or you can walk in the spirit. And, and what, what the Bible's not painting a picture of, I think we tend to picture this fork in the road as if there's two paths. And, and I don't think that's an accurate picture because I realize that a lot of us, we can get good at straddling that fence. And we can walk as if we could have one foot in both worlds, one in the flesh and one in the spirit. And the Bible says, no, it doesn't work like that. Verse 17 tells us, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And they are opposed to each other, right? Opposite. So you cannot walk this way and walk this way at the same time. You, there, there are two ways to walk. Which way are you going to walk? As a follower of Christ. So, so what, what does it look like to walk in the flesh? Well, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's pretty evident. Look what 19 goes on to say. Verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And that's an interesting word. So how many of you guys struggle with sorcery? Right? The, the, the interesting is, thing is the Greek word is pharmakeia. It's where we get the word pharmacy. The administration of drugs, and uh, literally it's translated as, as witchcraft or um, an, an enchantment. But I, I thought it'd be interesting one day if we did a message on the, the connection between mind-altering drugs and demonic influence. That's another sermon for another day. But sorcery, it goes on enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So this is not an exhaustive list, but, but here's some examples. He goes on, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then what it's not saying, you can pause right there, it's not saying that if you fall into these things, then you're not part of the kingdom of God. But, but if you do these things and you're walking in this way and you're willfully going in this direction with no repentance or change, then, then you are not a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We may fall, but the direction of our lives ought to be in the way of the Spirit. What does the, the life in the Spirit look like? Well, he goes on, verse 22. But, here's the opposite. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, circle this, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Would you circle that whole phrase, let us keep in step with the Spirit? And so what you just circled at the beginning and at the end are the bookends. And it's this idea of walking by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit that we're talking about here. What happens when you walk in the Spirit in step with the Spirit? Well, naturally, you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Just like if you walk long enough in the sun, perspiration comes out. If you walk long enough in the spirit, fruit comes out. 
So we're talking about fruit. This is an analogy that the Bible gives us of one who walks in the spirit. I want to make a couple observations this morning of, of why the Bible calls this fruit. What, what, what is it about fruit? Well, if you're following along in your notes, uh, would you guys write this down? Number one, truth number one, fruit is a natural product. Fruit is a natural product. Like, what if I uh, came up to you and I showed you this branch that I took off from a tree and I told you, hey, see this branch? This came from a kumquat tree. How many of you guys would believe me that this came from a kumquat tree? Anybody? Right? You're not sure. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe you know for certain it's not. And, and you wouldn't exactly know. But what if, I, what if I came up to you and I said, hey, look, I got this branch. And this was from a kumquat tree. How many of you guys would believe me now? Amen. How, how do you know? Because you see the fruit. You see the kumquats. This branch was obviously taken from a kumquat tree because there's kumquats on it. That kumquat is evidence that the tree this came from was kumquastic to the core, right? It's a kumquat tree. And so we know that fruit is indicative of what's at the root. The root bears its fruit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he says you can recognize a tree by its fruit. You recognize what's on the inside is what it's producing on the outside. I I love uh, author Paul Tripp. He gives this really good analogy. I'm going to tweak it a little bit for this morning. But but let's say I I have a kumquat tree in my yard. But, you know, I don't really care for kumquats. They're too sour for me. They're not delicious. I like peaches. And let's say I go to the store and and I, I just want, I've always wanted a peach tree in my yard. So I buy, like, Three big baskets full of ripe, juicy, ready-to-eat peaches. And I, and I go to my kumquat tree and I start taking off the kumquats till there's no kumquats on it. And I, and I take a staple gun and I start stapling my peaches to this tree. And I, and I put it like nicely distributed, perfectly even, nicely symmetrical tree. And now it's a peach tree. And you come over to my house and you go, wow, that's a luscious looking peach tree. Look at that fruit. It's like perfect. How'd you get it like that? It's like ready to eat. I go, go ahead. Eat, eat, eat to your delight. And we just enjoy these juicy ripe peaches on this perfectly symmetrical tree. Well, what's going to happen when the next season comes around? What's growing out of my tree? Kumquats. Why? Because it's a kumquat tree. It's kumquastic to the core. What's on the inside will come out. You could fake the funk. You could give it whatever appearance you want. You could say whatever you want it to be, but if it's Kumquat on the inside, kumquats is what's going to grow on the outside. And that's the basic truth that the Bible is teaching us here. You don't, you don't have an orange tree and produce peaches. You don't have a peach tree and produce apples. If you're an orange tree on the inside, you'll produce oranges. If you have a kumquat tree on the inside, you'll produce kumquats. But what's the point here? If you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, what, what's coming out? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit's coming out. In other words, if you have God inside, that's what we've been talking about. If you have God inside, then what should be coming out? The characteristics of God. What are the characteristics of God? Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the characteristics of, of the God who lives inside of us. And if we walk in him, then this is what should be coming out. So that's the first truth. Fruit is a natural product of what's inside. Here's the second truth about fruit. Fruit is a spiritual 
process. Would you guys write that in? Not only is it a natural product, but it is a spiritual process. Now think about it. How many of you guys remember the time when you first became a believer in Jesus Christ and you gave your life to him and you committed yourself? And that was, that was a great decision. And then you go to sleep that night. Next morning, boom, you wake up. I look like Jesus. Like I think like Jesus and I walk like Jesus and I talk like Jesus and act like Jesus. How many of you guys have had that experience? None of us in here, right? None of us because it doesn't happen like that. Fruit doesn't ripen like that unless you're an avocado. But, but regular, right? Don't you hate that? I love avocados, but it's like, come on, ripen, ripen, ripen. Ah, ripen. Rotten, right? That's, is that not true about avocados? Anyways, we are not like avocados. We are like normal fruit where it takes time. It's a process. And the Bible says that, that there's this process we go through called sanctification. And that's the process of being made holy. To be sanctified means to be made holy. In other words, to be made like Christ. And the sanctification is that process where we are producing the fruit of the Spirit and the characteristics of Christ in us. But that's a process. And every, every farmer knows that, that fruit is the result of a process that involves both hard work and God's grace. You need hard work on the farmer's part, but you need God's grace. And when I talk about grace, I'm talking about God's power, God's working, His gifting. Right, because a farmer will go to where if he wants fruit to grow on his tree, like he knows he's going to have to work to fertilize the soil. He knows he's going to have to work hard to water the soil. He knows he's going to have to tend to and nurture the plants. He knows he's going to have to trim and prune away the branches. He's going to have to put in hard work, but every farmer knows as, as hard as he works, he's ultimately dependent on the grace of God. Why? Because there, there are there are components to this process that are beyond him. He knows he can't make the rain fall. He can't make the sun shine. And he can't make the seeds sprout. Those are things that are way beyond my control. So I will do my part, but I will be reliant and dependent on God to do his. My daughter, Irenea, she uh, just turned one uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago. She turned one, and she's my third child. And out of all my children, she is by far the most active and most mobile child. She just wants to move. Here's a picture of little Erin. She's the one like, yeah, get me out of this. Like, get me out of this harness. I don't want to be here. And that's, that's how she is. In about one week or two weeks, I, I, I'm telling you, she's about to start walking on her own. And the day she walks on her own, I'm telling you, I'm going to lose her. Like, she's gone. Like, she's, she's, she's off, running somewhere. And, and it, it really, you know, becomes a realization for me, especially when I'm changing her diapers, how active she is. How many of you guys know this, right? Like, you, you got this kid who's super active, doesn't like to sit still, and when she has a dirty diaper, when she has a poopy diaper, right, who, who is it up to, between her and me, who is it up to to, to get her clean? The answer is both of us. Like, I, it's both of us, right? Because she does this thing, and parents, you know what I'm talking about, where, she, where she's laying down, and she's got a diaper full of junk, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold her legs up, and she does this thing where she's trying to kick her feet out of my hands. She's, like, trying to break loose, and if she can't, what does she do? She tries to flip over. She's, like, flipping over when there's a poopy diaper, and if, she, if she's able to break free from my hands and flip over, what happens? Stuff hits the fan, right? Stuff hits the fan, and, and it's going to be a big mess. But if you want to be clean, Aranea, you have to, you have to work with me here. 
As a father, I'm doing the one cleaning you up. I'm, I'm doing the cleansing work. But I need you to work with me. I need you to cooperate and be still and trust me. Just give me a moment and I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you. And in the same way, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and, and, and this process of sanctification, the Holy Spirit, he's going to work inside of us, and he wants to change us. He wants to get rid of the jealousy and the anger and the fits of rage and, and the sexual immorality and the impurities, and he wants to change you with things of love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. The process of bearing fruit, it's, it's, it's a partnership. So we have a part in this. What's our part? Let me give you a couple suggestions. If you want to write in your notes, here's one suggestion. Confession. Right? Confession. That's coming before God and saying, God, I have a dirty diaper. I've got filth in my life. I need to be changed. Right? The the word in the Greek, confession, homologeo, means to, to say the same thing, to agree with. I agree with you. I need changing. I know you see it, and I see it too now. It's being honest about this stuff. Holy Spirit, here, here I am. And here's... My weakness, here's, here's my faults and my flaws. Please take my filth and replace it with your fruit. And it starts there because if you can't confess it and admit that you need changing, you're not going to change. It, confession is my friend calling me up and saying, Greg, now that I'm a believer, I don't want to keep doing these things I used to do. Would you help, help pray with me so that I can receive the forgiveness of God? That, that, I love that. That's confession. Confession. But not just confession. Number two, write this down. It takes cooperation. Cooperation. Just like my daughter Aranea needs to cooperate with me. That means she's a co-operator. She, she's a co-worker with me. She has a part. And, and, and we have to realize that our part is to be available. We can't clean ourselves. We can't sanctify ourselves. The Father does the changing. But we need to, to bear with him. Because the reality is, just like my daughter Aranea, sometimes we don't want to sit still. Sometimes we don't want to go through that process. It's uncomfortable, and it's unbearable, and it's not pleasant all the time. Right? Jesus talks about the fruit. Turn with me to John 15. I asked you to have your um, fingers ready in John chapter 15. But here's what Jesus says regarding fruit, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You can pause right there. And so if, if you're a branch that's connected to the vine and you're producing fruit, what's he going to do? Well, lovingly, lovingly, he's going to prune you so that you produce more fruit. If you don't know what pruning is, it's that process where the, the vine dresser, the farmer's going to take tweezers or, or trimmers or, or even shears, and he's going to cut away the dead branches, the damaged branches, the diseased branches. Why? Because those dead, damaged, and diseased branches sometimes hinder the growth of the branch to produce more fruit. And so we got to get rid of it and get it out of the way. The reality is before grapes can become wine, Branches need to be pruned. Before grapes can become delightful wine, branches need to be pruned. God may want to be pruning you today and me today. 
And I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would really speak to us now and, and reveal things in our heart and in our lives. What may he want to prune and cut away in our lives so that we can produce the fruit of the Spirit and look more like him. And think about your life right now. What is it? Maybe, maybe for you it's social media. Maybe you realize that social media is not the most healthy thing for you right now because you realize what it's doing to your heart. Maybe you realize it's causing you to be insecure or maybe it's causing you to be jealous or even bitter when you look at other people's lives. Yeah, I love this. Um, I saw this pastor show his congregation this. I want to show you too. How many of you guys have like the latest iPhone? Um, this is not the latest iPhone. This is an uh, old iPhone, but I think I, I have this function on my phone too. But he, here's something on your phone. You might not, Android phones have this as well. Um, but if there's like stuff on your phone that you realize isn't healthy for you and helping you live more like God, here's this function. On your phone on the left side or the, yeah, the left side of an iPhone, there's this button. You just hold it down for a few seconds. And when you hold it down for a few seconds, uh, it'll take you to the screen. Check this out. It takes you to the screen and you just go, whoop, whoop, <laughs> whoop, turn it off, cut it off, right? Android phones work like that too. This idea of, look, it, it's killing me. I'm going to cut it out of my life. I love it. There's a sister in our church who did just that. She realized, she said, there's three things. And she told me, I'm realizing it's cutting me away from my family. It's, it's a place where it's become a place of competition and rivalry. And it's a thing that's keeping me from having meaningful conversations with my husband and with my friends. So what did she do? She cut it out. She literally signed off of Instagram, signed off of Facebook, and it's been months, months, maybe even a year now. She's telling me just Friday, she says, man, it's so tempting. Like, I want to go back on and see what everyone's doing. But she realizes she's been so much more fruitful without it. Sometimes it's hard. What's God wanting to prune out of your life? Maybe it's a particular habit or a hobby. How many of you guys realize that every hobby on earth except for surfing can pull you away from God? <laughs> right? Amen? Like, I mean, come on. We know surfing only brings you closer to the throne. But everything else, there's this temptation to consume our hearts and consume our time and mind. What habit or hobby might he want you to, maybe he wants to prune the casino out of your life. Because at one point it was a, a place of fun, but now it's a place that's destroying my marriage and my household. Maybe he wants to prune work out of your life or aspects of work or prune you away from your work. That's not easy, I get that. But John 15 says we are the branches and he prunes every branch that's bearing fruit. Even in your life, if you're bearing fruit, he, he prunes every branch that's bearing fruit so that it will bear more fruit. Hebrews 12, 11, I love how uh, it puts this uh, perspective on it. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. It says, for the moment, all discipline, circle that word discipline, seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful, what? Fruit the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so it uses the word discipline in place of pruning. Pruning is discipline. And, and discipline is the same root word for the word disciple. But what's a disciple? It's a person who wants to become like his master. He follows after his master to be like him. And so when, when, when the Lord wants to prune us, he's not trying to kill us, but he's trying to discipline us for the sake of discipleship. He's trying to make us look like our master. 
He prunes us so that we would look like the God who's inside of us. It's not always pleasant. It's not always pleasurable, but it is always profitable. Why? Because he's producing a fruit in us. So spiritual fruit, we learn it's a natural product that comes through a spiritual process. And in that process, we have our part. Will we do our part? Will we confess and say, God, this is where I need your help. This is where I fall short. Here's where I need change. And then will we cooperate and let him do his work in us, even when it's unpleasant? Will we trust him? So that, that's the fruit. The question now is, what does that fruit look like? The rest of the time this morning, I want to talk about one fruit in particular. And before I do, I, I want to point out that if you read in Galatians 5, that, that passage we just read, it said the fruit singular, the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. Well, why is that important? Well, every commentary that I studied this week tells me it's singular for a purpose. It means that when you, believer, receive fruit, when you, Lisa, bear the fruit, when, when you bear the fruit, Andrew, what, what's happening? You're getting the whole bundle. You don't get pieces of fruit. You get the package deal. You get the whole fruit basket. So, so every believer should seasonally be producing more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness. It's not like, well, what kind of Christian do I want to be? What kind of fruit do I want? Maybe I'll be a self-controlled Christian. It's not like we get pieces of this. And maybe in, in half a year from now, maybe I'll be, um, I'll be a joy, joyful Christian. And maybe five years down the road, maybe I'll try to love someone. No, it doesn't work like that. We all should be producing all of the fruits. Why? Because God is all of these things. All of these characterize the God who lives in us. We don't have a part of God in us. We have all of him in us. And if God is in us, then all of him should come out of us. So with that being said, we will look at um, all these fruits in the coming weeks. Today, I want to focus on one. And it's mentioned in Galatians 5 in that list. And Jesus talks about it in John 15. I want to take you to what Jesus says. So in John 15, verse 8, here's what Jesus says. I know that this could be a little bit cryptic. It might be hard to pick out what Jesus is trying to get at, but he mentions one fruit in particular. I want to see how sharp you guys are this morning. Verse 8, he goes, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And at the end of the chapter 17, these things I have commanded you so that you will love one another. Did anybody pick out the fruit there? That's right, self-control, right? So, no, it's, it's, it's love. Love, 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 love. Nine times he repeats this fruit that should be coming out of us. Love, why? Because God is love. In very nature, he is love. By very definition, God is love. And if God is inside of us, then love has to be coming out of us. You know, in this day and age, man, we have so many options, right? Like with everything, with your phone, with your computer, with your car, just options. 
So I shared with you about my daughter who just turned one. So a, a year ago when she was born, I, I realized I had to make a change. I had to trade in my little hatchback, which was a, a stick shift, and I had to trade it in for a more mature dad car. So I, I, I was in the market for an automatic car with three rows that can carry all these kids. And so I found I want a Mazda. So I decided on a, on a Mazda, a particular model, I said, this is the one I want. And with that, I realized that it wasn't so simple. There were four trims, four versions of the same model. This is the same car, but there's four. Do I want the Sport, or do I want the Touring, or do I want the Grand Touring, or the Signature Grand Touring? And that's a matter of, do I want 17-inch wheels, or 18-inch wheels, or the premium 20-inch wheels? Do I want navigation? Do I want navigation in the heads-up display? Do I want navigation in the heads-up display that also does lane assist? What kind of seats do you want? you want cloth seats or do you want the standard black leather seats? Or do you want the premium Auburn Napa leather seats with the rosewood inlay? Like options everywhere. I literally counted how many options that, uh, that were available to me in this one car. 84. 84 options. Between the di four different versions of this car, 84 options I could choose. And you know what I noticed as I went through that list? You know what was not given to me as an option? There's no option of, do you want an engine or not? <laughs> that wasn't an option to me. Like, you don't have an option. It comes with an engine. Without the engine, it's not a car. Without the engine, it's just a shell. It looks like a car, but it's not a car. The engine makes the car run. The engine's not an option. And in the Christian life, love, guys, is not an option. Love is not an option. Love is the engine that drives the Christian life. It is the first fruit, the first fruit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, and it's the first fruit in that it's the most important, it's the overarching fruit that drives all other fruits. It's not an option. In this world, there's all kinds of Christians. There's Democratic Christians, and there's Republican Christians. There's small church Christians, and there's mega church Christians. There's hymnal singing Christians, and there's contemporary worshiping Christians. Right, there's Calvinistic Christians, there's Arminian Christians, all sorts of Christians. But love is not an option. If you are one who professes Jesus Christ as Lord, if you profess to be a Christian, love is not an option. You must be producing love. And the Bible goes so far as to say, if you are not producing love, then you are not of Christ. So write this down as truth number three. Love is not an option. Every single one of us in here must be producing love. And some of us have more of it than others, but all of us should be seeing this kind of growth. So the question is, how does the Holy Spirit produce this fruit of love in our lives? I mean, we get that, right? That's a good idea, but how does it work? So look what Jesus says. We have to always go back to the words of Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 8, he tells us, By this my Father is glorified that you... Bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Here's the key, abide in my love. Would you circle that, abide in my love? And that idea to abide means to remain. If you want to see the fruit of love in your life, you have to abide and remain in his love. Stay in his love and you'll see love come out of you. The question is, how do you abide? Well, he goes on, verse 10, he makes it very clear for us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There it is right there. 
Keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So there's no secret behind this. He tells us right now, truth number four, would you write this down? Love comes from obedience. Just like Dr. Dre to Compton, love comes straight out of obedience. It's, it's one and the same thing. It's tied together. Like you can't separate the two. Now I'll, I'll confess this morning, I'll, I'll say it, that I've, I've said this before. Maybe some of you guys have too. I've told people, you know, Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. How many of you guys have said that before? I say that all the time. Or I've, I've told people trying to evangelize it, and I'll say, it's not about the rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. Have you guys said that before? And I get that. And, and, and it's not necessarily wrong to say that, but I think I need to clarify something to make sure we truly understand what the Scripture teaches so we know what we believe and we communicate in such a way not to mislead people. Because the reality is, if you look at Scripture... Christianity, if you, you can spin it however you want, but it is a religion. If a religion is defined by beliefs and practices around the worship of a God, then this, this is a religion. And if you look all throughout Scripture, it's actually filled with rules and regulations. You could call it whatever you want. I know rules and regulations sounds bad. You could call it commandments, but that's what they are. And we're expected to live by these things. The reality is, though, the adherence to these rules and regulations or commands, the adherence to rules and regulations flow out of our relationship. So, so there, there's relationship, and, and you can't get it twisted. There's an order to this. Relationship is first. It's primary. It is the reason why God sent his son Christ to come and die on the cross for us. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. Why? So that we would be restored and we would be reconciled and relationship would be established. But out of that relationship flows our religion, the adherence to these commands. Right? Even James, in the book of James, he says religion that is faultless before the Lord looks like this. Even the Bible says explicitly that there's a kind of religion that the Lord loves. Right? And think about any kind of relationship that you have that's meaningful to you and I guarantee you if that relationship is meaningful to you that there are rules that you abide by whether you call them rules or not there are there are things in your relationship that you live by for example my relationship with my wife in our marriage is a love relationship that's what our marriage is and in our marriage there are rules that I live by there are regulations that I live by for example, it's a rule between us. I will not have a meal alone with another female, ever. I will not be behind closed doors without any kind of visibility without another woman. And she knows I live religiously by that. I will not violate that. I, I will not go on surf trips with my buddies or plan surf trips with my buddies without first talking to her about it, which usually results in me not going on surf trips with my buddies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She, she's really gracious. She's let me go before. I, I have to say that for the film. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, she, she is gracious. But there's other rules. Like, for example, I won't spend a large amount of money on any single item without first uh, getting her consent. These things I do because I love her. And these rules are set up so that I can express my love for her. Are they easy to follow? No, not always. Are they convenient for me? Not, not always, not all the time. 
but I do it to express my love for her. But not only is it an, an expression of my love for her, but by abiding by these rules and remaining within these boundaries, we experience deeper love for each other. The word for love in Galatians 5 and, and John chapter 15, this fruit of love, is a word you probably have heard before. It's the Greek word agape, right? The, the verb is agapao. It's a love that's not driven by your emotions or your feelings. Your emotions may be there, but it's really a love driven by your commitment. It's, it's an act of your will. It's out of obedience that you choose to act like this. And so when I live by these rules in our marriage, it's because I'm committed to her in love. But I realize that even though it's out of my commitment to her, when I live within these boundaries, it helps us love better. Like if I were not to, to, to respect these boundaries and these rules, and I go and just eat meals with women all the time, by myself and go behind closed doors with no visibility and I go on surf trips without ever telling her and I spend money without getting her consent, then no doubt that's going to affect our relationship, right? That's going to do something to our marriage. It'll probably destroy it. I probably wouldn't have a relationship with her anymore. And yet because of our love, we stay within the bounds. And in the same way, the commands that God gives us, these rules to live by, they're not set up to suffocate us. It's not to dominate us. It's not to make our life drudgery. But these commands given to us are set up to help us experience the full manifestation of his love. To experience the fullness of the love we have for God and for people. For example, let me show you the Ten Commandments. Remember the Ten Commandments that Moses wrote down on the tablets? If you look at it, it's really set up to help us love God and love people. The first four commandments show us how do we love God well. Do not worship other gods. Do not make any other idols. Do not misuse God's name. Keep the Sabbath holy. That helps us in our love relationship with God. And then the, the last six commandments help us love each other better. Like if I love my parents, I'm going to honor my father and mother. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to murder him. If I, if I love my spouse, I'm not going to commit adultery. If I love my boss, I'm not going to steal. And so these commands set us up for success, to live a life of love. Not just the Ten Commandments. The whole Old Testament has 613 laws, 613 commands. And when Jesus was asked, how would you sum it up? What's the greatest command? Here's how Jesus answered, Matthew 22, verse 36. They asked him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, the entire law, everything you find in this book helps you love God, love people. Old Testament, love God, love people. New Testament, love God, love people. It's all about loving God, loving people. So Jesus is saying, here, here's the answer, guys. You want to be a person who bears the fruit of love? You want to be seen as a loving person? It's very simple. Just abide by my commands. Remain in these commands. Live within these boundaries. And I'm setting you up to live a perfect life of love. And so here's a cyclical pattern. You see, you see the pattern here? We choose to 
live in obedience to God because of our love and we live by his commands, living out his commands practically are helping us to love. Like whatever you live out, it's helping you to love. So, for example, if out of love for God, you're going to obey Matthew 19 and you're going to try to forgive those who have wronged you, you're loving God, so you're going to try to forgive those who wrong you. When you forgive those who wrong you, who are you loving? Loving your enemies. If you want to love God, and so I'm going to obey 1 Timothy chapter 2, so I'm going to pray for my leaders in the government, who are you loving? You're loving your leaders and your community. When you want to obey God, and so I'll live by Ephesians chapter 6, and as a child, I'm going to honor my father and mother. Who are you loving? Your parents. And as parents, in Ephesians chapter 6, when it says, do not exasperate your children, I'm going to do that out of love for God. Who am I loving? I'm loving my son and my daughter. And so we find that out of love, we obey his commands. When we obey his commands, all we're doing is loving people. And so, so the Bible the Bible is a God-given manual, not to make our life miserable, not to create enemies for us, but it's a manual to show us how to perfectly live a life of love. And if you could follow this perfectly and love perfectly, who's going to hate you? Like, no one's going to hate you because you're so loving. If they hate you, that's not your problem, that's their problem. You don't have an issue, they got an issue. You do your part, and you try to love as best as possible according to his word. Now, here's the reality, though. Let's just be real. Who can do that? I mean, none of us, right? Who can live perfectly according to this word? We fall short. I can't. I know you guys can't. Our flesh will fail. Our, our will is too weak. And that's where we come full circle. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because we are utterly dependent on, on the grace of God. Like, we'll do our work. We'll, we'll I mean, how many of us have tried to read this, like, daily? I'm going to read this Bible plan every day, and I'm not going to miss a day. We miss, like, the next 10 days. Right? I want to memorize the scripture. Over the next month, I'm going to memorize five scriptures. I don't even get one down. And it's like, God, I, I keep falling short. And, and we realize we can't do it. We're so weak. But that's where God comes, and we say, God, we need your grace. Without the Holy Spirit of God, we will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. And only by walking with the Spirit will we progressively produce the fruit of the Spirit. We do our part, and we trust that God will ultimately do his part. He will produce the fruit. And so will we do our part? Will we confess? Will you guys confess this morning and say, God, these are the areas I need change. This is where I, I'm failing to love. Here, here's the people I fail to love. Will you confess it, then will you cooperate? God, let your word be alive in me. Help me. Help me to commit to your word. Help me to live out your word, because I can't do it without you. And let him sanctify you and produce fruit. Amen? I, I want to um, close this message, and I want to kind of bring us into a time of worship and response. And in a few moments, I'll just give you a time to just quiet your hearts and, and just thank the Lord for his love. But I'm thankful that the love that the Bible commands of us and expects of us is agape love, right? Once again, not dependent on our emotions or how we feel in the moment. It's, it's dependent on this willful obedience and commitment. I'm thankful. Why? Because think back to the time when Jesus was in that garden. And thank God 
It wasn't about how he felt in the moment. Thank God it wasn't about emotions. Because remember there in the garden, he's literally crying out to his father. Crying out three times, Father, take this cup away from me. I don't want to go through this. To the point where tears are being shed and blood is oozing from his pores because of the despair and the distress he's experiencing in that moment. Take this cup away from me. I don't feel like getting beaten, bruised, and marred beyond recognition. I don't feel like being killed and crucified. For who? For people who just sin against him all day and every day of their lives? Like for them, God, God, take this away from me. And yet praise God that it wasn't based on how he felt in the moment. Praise God it was out of agape love. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Out of his obedience and commitment to the Father and to, to you and to me, he went to the cross And that's agape love. He said in John 15, the passage we just read, as the Father has agaped me, so have I agaped you. I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his agape. That's love. And that's the kind of love that, that, that we ought to show. We love because he first loved us. So I think the perfect way to respond right now is for us to stop and just remember his agape love for us, that commitment to die on the cross for us. And so we're going to have communion at this time. Because right before he was there in the garden, just a few moments, he was there in that upper room. And as love was about to be poured out on the world, he poured out wine into glasses, into cups. And he said to him in Luke 22, he says, after taking the cup, gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let's remember him. And he told us to do this often. Remember the gospel. Remember that his body was broken for us. Blood was shed for us out of his agape love. And out of that love, we ought to love the world. And so we have stations all around the room. I want to invite you guys, after you spend some uh, time just reflecting and thanking God for his love, I encourage you to also confess. Confess how you need to be loving more, who you need to be loving. Ask God for that change and then cooperate with him. Let him work in you and send you out. And when you're ready, you could come to any of the, the tables around the room. I know we've had some requests for gluten-free um, communion so we we actually have a table in the back so you don't have to um, be help you you don't have to withhold from this so if you need gluten-free it's the table in the back but take this time to just remember Jesus and then you can drop the um, the cups in the in the little baskets around the room remember uh, Pastor Gary mentioned this is also time of worship through offering so we have we're gonna have baskets up here if you want to drop in your offering or your connect cards your flyers you can do that during this time as well as an act of your worship Um, If you need help, okay, just raise your hand. For whatever reason you can't get up right now, just raise your hand and our ushers will find you and they'll bring it to you, all right? But let's pray and let's, let's, let's come before the Lord in communion. And so God, we thank you so much for this time to remember that you first loved us, that your body was broken even when you didn't want to go through it, that even after you begged the Father to take it away from you, you... You, you follow through and you express your love in its greatest form. You laid down your life and you hung on the cross. 
So Lord, with thankful hearts, we, we, we come before you and we celebrate your death until you come again. We thank you for the blood that was shed that represents the new covenant, the covenant of grace that we live under. God, help us to love like you did. I know we can't perfectly be like you, but we know that you want to make us like you. So here we are, God. Here's our lives. Here's our hearts. Have your way in us. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.